What I want to do, however, as I said before, is I want to take a look at the primary point that I want to make. That it is incumbent upon every believer to examine themselves before they participate in the Lord's Supper in order not to drink condemnation to themselves. What an amazing statement Paul makes here. That that which is intended by way of God for blessing, that which was given by our Lord Jesus Christ as blessing, can be received to condemnation if we participate in, in, it, participate in it in a wrong way. Well, what I want to do is I want to set this doctrine out before you in a, in a three-point outline. And number one, by way of the exhortation that Paul gives, the exhortation to examine ourselves, I want you to see, number one, something about the seriousness of the matter in which he is discussing. This is a very serious matter. In one sense, your physical and spiritual well-being is all bound up with how you attend the Lord's Supper. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, but we see it here on the page of Scripture. So we'll take a look, number one, at the seriousness of the matter. Number two, we're going to take a look at the, at the specific exhortation that's given concerning this manner, matter of our approach to the table of the Lord. The specific exhortation. And what we're going to see is that the, the exhortation, while it is primarily one, has three elements to it. We're going to see that Paul calls us to examine ourselves, to judge ourselves, and to control ourselves. That's the actual exhortation. We'll develop that as we go along. And then the last thing I want you to see in this, uh, in this exhortation that Paul gives is the purpose of the, of the exhortation. And in the purpose of the exhortation, what I want you to understand is this. In these warnings, Paul is not trying to chase you away from the table of the Lord. In these warnings, Paul is not trying to make you fearful as you come to the table of the Lord. But Paul is calling you and me and every Christian, he is calling us to genuinely engage in self-examination, deal with sin if it's present, and then come. Why? Come to the table. Because there is great blessing bound up for you and for me in the table of the Lord. The covenant promises of Christ are set before us. The reality of the forgiveness of sin is made fresh in our minds once again. The, 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 the indwelling of the Spirit of God, again, all bound up with what new covenant promises are, are brought home to us in our observance of the Lord's Supper. And so again, I, I hope to work each of these points. And the first point that I want to consider with you then in regard to this exhortation uh, to examine ourselves uh, by way of our coming uh, to the Lord's uh, Supper is again, the basis of it is found in verse 28. Notice what the Apostle Paul says here. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. This whole idea of examining ourselves, why must we do it? Well, number one, the first point in our outline is because of the seriousness of the matter. You must understand that when you and I come to observe the Lord's Supper, we are not just doing something that's tacked on to an end of a church service. We're not just doing something because in our particular tradition we happen to, on, on, the, first day, on the first Sunday of the month, uh, gather together for, uh, for, for the Lord's Supper. No, you have to understand that there is something very, very significant going on here. Number one, the significance is all bound up in the fact that Jesus Christ himself ordained this. And have you noticed what the scripture says on the night in which he was betrayed? That little phrase, the night in which he was betrayed, should set within our minds a particular solemnness concerning the Lord's Supper. The Lord himself has ordained that on that, on that night in which he was betrayed, on that night in which his soul was done wrong again by Judas, all within the purpose of God, but on that very night, the, uh, that, that, that somberness, that reality, uh, that seriousness of the situation is what ought to in, in, in impact the way we come to the Lord's table. It was on the night that he was betrayed. Again, it reflects something of the seriousness of the matter here. 
But the other thing that we see by way of the seriousness of the matter is what the Lord's Supper intends to do by way of a visual setting forth of the promise of God. Again, I want to come back to this matter. That the ordinances that Christ ordained are visible pictures of gospel promises. That's what they are. Do you see in the gospel the promise of the forgiveness of sins? Well, in one sense, it's both in the, the, the ordinance of baptism and in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Do you see in the promise of the gospel the blessed reality of your union with Jesus Christ? Well, that's pictured for us, especially in baptism. Do you see in the promise of the gospel Jesus Christ as being bread for your soul? That's pictured for us again in the Lord's Supper. So this, these ordinances then become these visible signs whereby gospel promises are presented to us. And so what we would say about the seriousness of the matter then is this. The Lord's Supper is a visual sermon on the death of Jesus Christ to be performed perpetually until he returns. I want to say that again. The Lord's Supper is a visual sermon on the death of Jesus Christ. Can I put it to you in another way? You best see Christ crucified, not in a picture or in a movie. You best see Christ crucified when you observe the Lord's table, seeing Christ in bread and wine. That's the significance of the elements. It's a picture to show Jesus Christ suffering in his body and Jesus Christ bleeding for his people. And so again, it shows to us the significance, the seriousness of the matter. The other thing I want you to see by way of what this passage of Scripture is saying uh, concerning this visual sermon that's being presented to us is, is this, that there is truly a proclamation that is made in the observation of the Lord's Supper. Did you see what the Apostle Paul says there again in verse 20, in, in verse, um, in verse uh, 20, I'm sorry, in verse tw uh, 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he come. Now that's the King James. For those of you who may have a, an ESV or an NIV or one of the newer translations, I am almost positive that, that in your translation it says, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he come. And the word therefore proclaim is literally the word of a verbal proclamation. Well, what's being proclaimed here isn't so much verbal words. What's being proclaimed in the Lord's Supper is the picture of Christ suffering and dying for you and for me. So the matter is serious. We don't come to the Lord's table flippantly. We don't come to the Lord's uh, table without reflection. We don't come to the Lord's table without thinking of all that Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. And we're going to see again, we're going to pick this up next week. When you take the elements that are offered to you. It's a picture of faith. As, as the elements are offered to you, it's a picture of God through Christ offering to you eternal life. The gospel is offered and the gospel is received. You see, there's a sermon in the picture. And that's what we're seeing here and that's what you know, points us to uh, the significance of this matter. Now again, we also see the significance of, I'm um, sorry, we also see the seriousness of this matter when we see what, the, what Paul says happens should we participate in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Look again, look here at verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. I want to consider that in two ways. Number one, I want to ask you, if I can do this, I want to ask you to consider that idea of being guilty of the body and blood of the Lord in what I would call a devotional manner. A devotional manner. And what do I mean by that? You see, 
when you and I, if you and I participate in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, we have to explain what that means. We'll get to that shortly. If we, you and I participate in an unworthy manner, we're guilty of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what does that mean? Well, from a devotional aspect, what it, from a devotional aspect, what it means is this: is that the one who died for you, the one who drew your soul to Himself, the one who comforts you, who comforts you in all of your afflictions. The one who promised to be with you when nobody else would promise to be with you. It is that one that you're sinning against. And so from a devotional element, to be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord has this aspect of offending Christ. But from a doctrinal element, not, not, not so much now a devotional, but from a doctrinal aspect, how do we see it and how do we understand this? Well, to be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in this setting is very, very interesting by way of technically what it means. What it means, and again, your, some of your newer translations may not say guilty, it may say libel. And the idea is, here is that in our unworthy participating in the elements of the Lord's Supper, this is almost hard to fathom, that in our unworthy participating in the elements of the Lord's Supper, we align ourselves with the enemies of Christ who crucified Him rather than with Christ and His people. We set ourselves over against Christ. That's really what the, what the meaning here, to be guilty of the body and blood of Christ, means to set ourselves against Christ with His enemies. When Peter, on the day of Pentecost, was, was preaching there, on that first, uh, on that first uh, sermon. And, uh, and, he, and, and he, he, he addresses those who crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. I find it very interesting that Peter didn't address uh, those uh, who were responsible for the death of Christ in the way that we often do. There's an element of truth in what I'm about to say. We normally say things like this. Well, who put Jesus on the cross? And we say, well, my sins put Jesus on the cross. And in, fact, in, in a sense, that's true. We don't deny that. But when Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, what does he say? He says to the Jewish leaders, he says, you who by wicked hands have taken and slain, there is a sense in which culpability was being laid at the feet of the Jewish leaders. And to be guilty of the body of Christ is to have that same culpability. Do you understand how serious our coming to the table of the Lord is? And we come into the table, we come into church and it's, so yeah, well, it's the first Sunday of the week. I, I brother, I, I'm, I'm, I've been guilty of this myself. I hate to say it. We forget. How can we forget a thing that we're called to examine ourselves about? How can we forget something this serious? And you see, this is why we must have these exhortations to consider the seriousness of the matter in front of us. And so again, what we see here is the seriousness because of the proclamation of the gospel is taking place by way of the picture, the seriousness of the matter, because when we enter into the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, we are guilty of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, there I have, I have more information on that, but I'm, I don't want to read uh, uh, off of my notes here this morning. The, that idea is, is that we are aligned with those who put Christ on the cross. It is to be guilty. It is to be liable uh, in the sight of God for Christ's crucifixion. Again, it's a, it's, it, it is a very, very uh, uh, impacting uh, way of thinking. But it brings us now uh, to, the, uh, to the issue itself, the unworthy manner. Certainly this is a serious phrase, isn't it? To come to the table of the Lord in an unworthy manner. 
Well, we, again, we have to ask ourselves, what does this mean? And what I want to do is I want to handle uh, this little phrase, once again, in, from two different perspectives. We looked at what it was to be guilty of the body of the Lord devotionally and then doctrinally. Well, I want to take a look at the idea of coming to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, uh, again, in two ways. First of all, I want to consider it contextually. And in one sense, the context is really driving us in this passage of Scripture. What do I mean by that? That when you take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting back in verse 17 and reading all the way through the end of the chapter in verse 34, what you find is that there were all kind of irregularities that were taking place during the celebration of the Lord's Supper. There, were the, there was the engagement in a congregational level uh, by way of a joining in together of a common meal, the love feast it was known as. But when it came to the Lord's Supper, there was no real distinction between the common love meal that they were experiencing and the sacredness of the Lord's Supper. And so when they were coming together, there, when they were coming together for the Lord's Supper, there was nothing that was really setting the Lord's Supper apart. And so they were coming not so much by way of a personal unworthiness. We're going to go there in a minute. They're not so, so much coming by way of a personal unworthiness, but they're coming in an unworthy manner. The concept of the Lord's Supper was not elevated in their thinking. The significance of the symbols of the Lord's Supper on the table did not impact them the way that it should have. There was no thought given to the fact that I potentially could be guilty of the body and blood of Christ if I come to the table wrongly. And so you see the idea here is in coming to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, it's not primarily asking you by way of your spiritual state or condition. It, it involves that. We're going to get to that. But it's primarily dealing with how we come to this issue by way of our congregational conduct. How do we come to the Lord's table on a Sunday, on a Lord's Day morning? How do we come to the Lord's uh, uh, Supper when we come to that part in the service? Are our minds in other places? Are our hearts in other places? You see, this essentially is what it means to come in an unworthy manner. And again, I go back to the issue. This is why, again, the, 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 the life of the congregation is so important in our participation in the Lord's Supper. The life of the congregation is to express the very unity that was purchased by Jesus Christ when you and I were saved by the shedding of His blood. When He incorporated us in the one body. That unity of the body is to be maintained. Isn't that exactly what Paul says there in that passage of Scripture in Ephesians? To maintain the unity of the body. And that unity of the body is something that is pointed to in our common coming together to celebrate the Lord's table. So if we come with animosity, if we come with, uh, with, 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 with uh, disregard, if we come with any kind of uh, uh, issue uh, one to another, again, we're, not, we're coming to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Now, I'm saying these things not to chase you off from the, from the table of the Lord. We're going to see that the very purpose of this exhortation is to bring about awareness and then repentance and then participation. We'll get to that as we go on. But this unworthy manner, as I said before, it's the way in which we, in which we come. And so again, you, when, when this question is asked, uh, what does it mean to come in an unworthy manner? Well, it means that the, the ideas are as follows. It means to come in a, in a careless manner. It means to come without acknowledging the value of a thing. It means to come in an irreverent manner. It means to come not being aware, again, of our participation in Christ, with Christ, and our unity that we have one with another. You see, in our participation of the Lord's Supper, there are two, if I can say, the two perspectives 
There is the vertical perspective of our communion with the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is the horizontal perspective of our communion one with another. And both ought to be everything that they should be as we come to participate in the Lord's Supper. And so again, these are, this is the, again what it means to, to participate in an unworthy manner as we give emphasis to the context. And as I said before, I would make the case that if I could only say one thing about this unworthy participation, it would be in the manner of our approach to the Lord's table. But I don't think that we only have to say one thing here. I think we can also bring this passage of Scripture to bear on what we might call our, 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 our personal or spiritual, well, is the right word to use, fitness, our personal, spiritual, the quality of, the, of, the, of, the, of our souls as we're coming to the Lord's table. And that moves this into all those elements that are most commonly thought of when we think about this unworthy participation in the Lord's table. When we think about this, when we give opportunity to examine ourselves, the idea that we most, where, where our minds most quickly go is to a personal evaluation and estimation of the condition of our soul. And there's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, I would say you must do that. And what that means then is essentially this. If in your heart you are harboring some dear sin. Dear sin? Did I say that? Some precious sin. When everything's being thrown overboard, that thing stays. That sin. If you are harboring or if I am harboring some dear, what the Puritans called some bosom sin, you see, I must repent of that sin. That sin, again, is, is, is that sin which will do damage and, 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 will, and, and will make the Lord's Supper to me something that it ought not to be. As I said before, not only in, in the way in which we uh, come by way of our sin, but what about our attitude? Yes, our attitude. Again, this is much connected with our approach to the table in general. But is there a due reverence for the things that we are about to enter into? Do we see and esteem and value uh, the, 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 the symbols that are set before? Those very symbols that Christ himself ordained to be a picture of who he is. He didn't say to his apostles, get a pencil and paper. Or maybe not a pencil and paper, but get something to write with. And draw my profile. And you keep this with you. And you, and you, and you send this image down through his. He doesn't do that. He's pictured in the symbols of the, of the bread and wine. And you see, it's in this way that Christ... Is, and as we come, or are we coming again with this, this element of irreverence? We must not. You see, these, these very symbols are ordained by Jesus Christ. So again, when we come to the Lord's table in order not to, um, uh, not to uh, uh, come in an unworthy manner, uh, we, we have regard for the way in, or the manner in which we approach the table, and we also come with, a, with an eye to the condition of our hearts. You see, if you come again with sin, brothers and sisters, confess that sin before God and repent of that sin. God hears you. You know that. You think God is any less likely or inclined to forgive you your sin on the spot if you should be one second away from death confessing your sin before God. God will hear you. Come to the table. You see, this is the whole purpose. The purpose is to bring you to the table of Christ, not to shake you off of it. And so again, these, these, the seriousness of the matter. Guilty, again, as we said before, of the body and blood, chargeable for his death. Again, just a very, very weighty thing. And what else do we see here by way of the seriousness of the matter? Uh, Paul says that, they, that, that if we come to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, what do we end up doing? We end up drinking damnation or condemnation to ourselves. 
Well, the idea here isn't so much condemnation in the ultimate sense of the word, but the idea here is judgment. And the judgment has spiritual repercussions and sometimes physical repercussions. The spiritual repercussions is that we gain no spiritual benefit from participating in the Lord's Supper. And that, and that ordinance is designed for your spiritual benefit. This is why you ought to come. Every ordinance that Jesus Christ has ordained does well to your soul. You might not think it hearing this, hearing this sermon, but, the, but hearing the word of God preached does good to your soul. Participating in the ordinances does good to your soul. Engaging in private and public prayer does good to your soul. Memorizing scripture, all these, all, these, all these things that we see are given to us in the word of God, they do good to our soul. When you come to the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, you lose the blessing that would be there. And that's not all. Not only do you lose the blessing that would be there, you incur this idea of judgment. And the judgment we see in the passage, again, is at least twofold. Number one, spiritual, the loss of the spiritual blessings that are offered. But number two, physical. Did you see what, did you see what Paul said there? In the, you know, toward the end? Look what he says here. Again, verse 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Some of your translations probably say condemnation. Uh, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. What's he saying here? Look, there are physical repercussions. Negative physical repercussions. For participating in the Lord's Supper in a wrong way. Now, does this mean that every time I have a cold, it's, it's, it's pointing to the fact that, that I've not uh, participated properly in the Lord's Supper? I think that's too much to say. But I'm not going to take off or away from this sermon what this passage says. There are repercussions when we fail to participate in the Lord's Supper in the way that God has ordained. So the reason, again, as I said before, the reason why we talk about this exhortation to examine ourselves is because of the seriousness of the matter. Well, the second thing by way of the second major point in our outline that I want you to consider with me then, I want you to consider the exhortation itself. And the exhortation, as I said before, really uh, is, number one, examine, but there are two other things that are added to it. And, and, and I want to spend some time with this examine, with the idea of examination. What does the word examination mean? What the word examination in this context essentially means is this. Evaluate yourself in light of what the Word of God teaches concerning this ordinance. And see if you are coming to this ordinance in the way that the Scripture calls you to come. Examine yourself not in, in relation to how you stand among your peers. You know, you're not as good as so-and-so, but you're not as bad as so-and-so. That's not, you know that, that's not what this is calling us to. It's calling us to an examination of ourselves before the Word of God. The Word of God is our standard. The Word of God is opening our, opening our souls to us. The Word of God is applying the, the heat, not, not only exposing sin, but the Word of God healing, again, the effects of sin. And so when we examine ourselves, we examine ourselves in order to scrutinize our spiritual condition and our motives. We put our own genuineness to the test, as it were. And so again, this is the great, this is the great emphasis on this word examine. But I want to go a little further here when we talk about this idea of examining yourself. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to say the following. Number one, examine your, un, as you come to the Lord's table, as you think about the Lord's Supper in this coming week, be, be uh, participating in it next week, as you come to the Lord's table uh, this, in, 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 uh, next week, in this coming week, examine your understanding of the nature of the ordinance and its sanctity. Do you understand that there is something of an additional element of blessing 
designed for you and me next week. We will have the blessing of joining together, singing praises to God. We will have the blessing of joining together, offering prayers to God. We will have the blessing of sitting together and hearing the word of God expounded. But we will have the additional blessing of sitting together and participating as a body of Christ in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. So consider something of the sanctity of the Lord's Supper. Consider your, examine your relationship with your fellow believers as well. This is vital. I must examine my relationship to each and every one of you. And you must in this coming week examine your relationship to me. And we must examine our relationship one to another. And if there are things that are not right, brothers and sisters, I exhort you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let us put those things right. May God give us grace to examine ourselves in the way that we see here. Thirdly, examine the consequences of this unworthy participation. Don't think lightly of this. This is no light thing. This is, no, this is not something that uh, just somebody makes up as they go along in order to frighten you into something. These are the words of God concerning this important matter. Concerning, I'm sorry, uh, examine also uh, the manner in which you come. Let us not come, and I think the point has been made, but let us not come in a flippant or in a uh, irreverent manner. And in the last point, I want to say this, examine the condition of your soul as you come. You see, it's a wonderful thing that Christ is doing for us in this participation of the Lord's Supper. He's giving us this opportunity to, to confess our sins freely before Him. He's, he has given us this wonderful opportunity of spiritual amnesty in His sight for all the sins that we have committed against Him. And so we come confessing our sins to God. And there He is through the blood of Jesus Christ. The very thing that's being pictured for us, that blessing is ours as we confess sins. You see, this examination is not designed to shake you off of the table. It's designed to drive you to the table in holiness and worship for, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first thing that we see here, again, as I said before, is the idea of examining ourselves. But if you notice again, not only are we to examine ourselves, let's look again in, 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 the, uh, in the passage of Scripture uh, that we have here. Uh, we saw there in uh, verse 28, but let a man examine himself. Now look at verse uh, 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So the second exhortation is not only examination, but now self-judgment. Again, it's very, it's very closely related to, to examination. But the idea here now is this, is that, again, we are not making any excuses for our sins. We are owning our sins for what they are, and we are confessing them fully before God Almighty. And we're not afraid or ashamed. We may be ashamed, but we're not afraid to come to the Lord Jesus Christ with these sins because in His promise is the promise of the new covenant, which is the promise of forgiveness and the filling of the Holy Spirit. So again, we, we must judge ourselves. I mean, we, I'm sorry, we must examine ourselves. Uh, we must judge ourselves. And the idea now here is this. There's something added to this. It's not only the idea of examination just to see, but now with the concept of judgment, remedial action is implied or included. What do I mean by remedial action? Well, again, if I've sinned against God, I must repent before God. If I've sinned against you, I must, I must make it right. You see, this is what is, we're being called to here in this passage of Scripture. So we see in, in verse 28 that, that we must examine ourselves. We see in verse 31 that we must judge ourselves. But notice here in verse 33, there's another thing that we should do as we prepare for the Lord's table and as we come to the Lord's table. And this again brings us back to the context historically. 
We must examine ourselves. We must judge ourselves. But now listen to this in verse 33. We must control ourselves. Well, what's up with that? Why, 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 you know, why is that being mentioned? Because, again, with the, in, in, the, in the concept of the public setting of the Lord's Supper, there was a sense in which no regard was given to the fellow believer. They were engaging in that love feast, which was spilling over into the Lord's Supper by way of just a personal um, satisfying of their own appetites. And that's exactly why Paul says, Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. It's very practical, isn't it? As a matter of fact, we would almost say, well, what's so spiritual about that? Well, brothers and sisters, you'd be surprised how many practical things are ultimately spiritual things. And how many spiritual things are ultimately practical things. The way you and I just look at each other is a spiritual and a practical thing. The way you and I engage one another is a spiritual and a practical thing. And what Paul is saying is very simply this. Have some regard for your brother and sister in Christ. Control yourself. Examine yourself. Judge yourself. Control yourself. All as we come to this table of the Lord. Well, we've seen then the, the seriousness of the matter. We've seen uh, the, 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 the matter itself by way of the exhortation. And now what I, want to ask, what I want to consider with you now is the purpose of the matter. Why does Paul give this, this exhortation? Why does Paul give this great emphasis? Why is he making everything that he's saying? I want you to see from the text itself that the reason why you and I are called to this kind of examination is because the apostle, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wants you and I to be present at the table of the Lord. This exhortation is not to chase you away. And we do that, don't we? We think, oh, you know, I've done this and I've done that. I can't partake in the Lord. Listen, you have to, and this is why the stress always has to be laid on the primary idea in the passage is in participating in an unworthy manner. It's the approach to the Lord's table that is primary in the context historically and what Paul is writing about. But we can we, and we must uh, deal with the, uh, the spiritual condition that we bring as we come to the Lord's table. There is no one worthy in and of themselves to participate in the Lord's table. The worthiness is not in us. The worthiness, in one sense, is in the manner in which you come. You know, you're not worthy to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But you can come to the Lord Jesus Christ in a way that is befitting of His worthiness. And in that sense, you have a proper approach to the table of the Lord. And so what this is intended to do, it's intended to draw you in. This same one who calls you to examine is the same one who offers to freely forgive you as symbolized in the table. This same one, again, who calls you to deal with your sins as they, as they are, has already dealt with those sins as symbolized for us on the table, in the cup. You see the Lord Jesus Christ's body broken. The Lord Jesus Christ's blood poured out. The gospel is there. The gospel is there in pictures. And it's being preached or proclaimed in a wonderful way. And so when you hear these warnings, when you hear these exhortations, they are not designed to chase you off of the Lord's table. They are designed to bring you to the Lord's table. And why should you... And again, where do we see this? Notice again what Paul says in verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread. The idea is examine and come to the table. Examine 
Rectify, repent, and come to the table. Deal with your sins and deal with a gracious God. Deal with your sins and join the communion of saints. Deal with your sins and have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and fellowship with His people. You see, the purpose of these warnings is to bring you to the table, looking to the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that is pictured for us in these symbols. Here is Jesus Christ, again on the table in one sense, bleeding and dying for His people. The act has been completed once for all, but its work and its effectiveness goes on. Oh, my brothers and sisters, why would we absent ourselves from this great blessing? And that's the other point I want to bring you to, the great blessing. You remember when the Lord Jesus Christ says, well, he says it here, and we read it here in the, in the, um, in, in the passage before us, uh, when we read about the, the blood of the, uh, of the covenant. This is the blood in, in verse 25. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Well, what's the New Testament? You know, it's the New Covenant. And what's the New Covenant? Well, the New Covenant is that beautiful promise of God. Listen to it if you've not heard it in a while. Listen to it from Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. There's the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. From all of your filthiness and from all of your idols, I will cleanse you. A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. There is the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And my spirit, I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. You see, the blessings that are symbolized for us here in the Lord's table are the blessings of the new covenant. It's the blessings that make the Christian church what it is. It's the blessings of forgiveness of sins and the continual presence of the spirit of God among us. Why would you absent yourself from this holy table? Why would you absent yourself from this time of communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, we come to this table. We come to this table, each of us, guilty of our own sins. But every one of us cleansed from those sins through that which is represented on the table. Oh, let us come and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and let us fellowship again with each other. But let us in this coming week take seriously this exhortation. But let a man, any person, let a man or a woman or a young boy or a young girl examine themselves in order that we might worthily come together and participate in this table of the Lord.